Welcome to the legacy teachings of Bill Anzavino, pastor of Christian Assembly Church since 1979. Though these teachings are decades old, we invite you to get out your Bible, take notes, and get ready to receive the uncompromised teaching of God's Word. For more information about Christian Assembly Church, please visit us online at cafamily.net. I'd like to review some things we talked about on Wednesday night. For those of you who were not here, those that were here were raptured, so... (laughs) I had to stay behind just to share this with you today. We'll probably go after this portion of it is over. (laughs) Amen. Praise God. Bless the Lord, oh my soul. (laughs) It's going to be one of those beautiful mornings today. I can tell it. I can sense it in my spirit. For those of you that don't know where Philemon is, it's right before the book of Hebrews. (laughs) That one chapter there. Beautiful Verse here, verse 6, we're going to look at. But first, let's pray. Father, we've come before your presence now to study your word together. And as we do so, we invite the teaching ministry of the Holy Ghost to enlighten us, to lead us, to guide us into all the truth, and to enlarge our capacity to receive revelation, knowledge, wisdom, understanding, and ability of all the things that pertain to life and godliness. And we believe, dear Father God, that as your word is quickened within us, we are doers of the word and not hearers only. I thank you for utterance in the Holy Ghost. And I thank you for making my tongue as the pen of a ready writer to proclaim with accuracy and boldness the knowledge of the truth that makes us free, that your word may be written upon the table of our heart by your spirit. Oh, how we bless you and thank you for all that's accomplished and achieved within our midst. Your word will not return to your void. It will accomplish that which you purpose and plan and please. We'll give you the glory for it all in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Just in quick review, we we discussed the fact, and you might want to just jot these particular scriptures down. I won't go over them. At least we won't look at them. In Ephesians 4, 8... And then 11 through 16, we had talked about the fact that ministry gifts were given for the purpose of building up the body of Christ and for causing us to grow up spiritually. God wants us to grow up and not remain children. Amen. Amen. Spiritually speaking, he wants us to develop and to mature and to grow spiritually. It's not for personal gain. God doesn't anoint someone with a ministry gift for personal gain, not to build a personal empire, not to build a name for oneself but for the purpose of promoting spiritual growth and advancing the kingdom of God upon this earth. Well, how is it that we are going to grow and mature and develop spiritually? Well, Ephesians 4 and 15 said, Speaking the truth in love may grow up into Him in all things. May grow up into Him in all things. Notice, speaking the truth in love, we may grow up into Him in all things. Well, what's speaking the truth in love have to do with spiritual growth and development? A whole lot. Because if you'll read Galatians chapter 3 and verse 3, the Bible says, according to the Apostle Paul, it says there, Are you having begun in the Spirit, are you now made perfect by the flesh? Do you mature spiritually by the flesh? No, the flesh doesn't cause us to mature. In other words, just because we attend church and just because we do this for the Lord and we do that for the Lord, all that physical stuff that we do here upon this earth, that does not promote our spiritual growth and development. No matter how much we do. Keeping laws like they were trying to do, that doesn't promote spiritual growth and development. Speaking the truth in love does. Of course, the answer to his question was, well, no, we don't grow by the works of the law, but we grow by the hearing of faith. We grow by faith. And if you read the rest of that chapter, he's talking about you receive miracles through faith. You get filled with the Holy Ghost through faith. We are of the seed of Abraham. We are a product of faith. And therefore, how do you mature? By faith. Well, what is faith? What is faith? Faith is a, is a condition of the Spirit that's released in word form. Faith is that which enables us to grow and develop as we speak the Word of God. We will grow and develop and the Word will be quickened on the inside of us and we'll be more like Jesus every single day. Amen? Amen. Well, we see here then that in order for us to, to grow or to mature, we must acknowledge in love the Word. Speak the truth, which is the Word in love. And not in arrogance, not in personal pride, but in love we speak the truth with regard to our condition, with regard to our lives, to ourselves and to others. Speaking the truth in love. We are perfected or made perfect or mature. We're we're matured by faith. 
Well, one scripture that we said we should constantly be speaking out every day is Psalm 138 and 8. It says that he'll perfect that which concerns me. He'll mature me in every area of my life. He will perfect. Say that with me. He will perfect that which concerns me. Well, that does tell us then that we're not made perfect yet, doesn't it? Absolutely. We are, we are wanting to grow and mature and develop just like a little baby needs to grow and mature and develop. Well, how do we promote that in our lives? Well, by speaking the truth in love. And we see it right here in Philemon 6. That the communication of your faith may become effectual by the acknowledging of every good thing which is in you in Christ Jesus. I want you to notice the word acknowledge means to recognize and fully discern. By recognizing and fully discerning everything that is in us in Christ Jesus. Now notice this. Your faith in its communication will become effectual. That word effectual there we pointed out means active, operative, and powerful. How many of you want the communication of your faith to become active, operative, and powerful? That the communication of your faith would become powerful, praise God. How? By the acknowledging of every good thing which is in me in Christ Jesus. As I acknowledge and fully discern what is on the inside of me in Christ Jesus and I speak that out in love, then the communication of my faith is going to become active, operative, and powerful. See, that's how it works. And that's what God wants us to do. And so we pointed out some of the things that are in us in Christ Jesus that we need to be speaking out every single day. And I want you to turn to one with me in Colossians 1. We didn't add that. We didn't review this or we didn't say this one on Wednesday night. So it's not a review. I'm just going to add something to it. But in Colossians chapter 1 and verse 18, before we look at that, you find that. I'll tell you this. We said that in 2 Corinthians 5, 17, it says, If any man be in Christ, he is a new creature or creation. Old things passed away. Behold, all things have become new. You know what? In Christ Jesus, I'm not what I used to be. I've become brand new. My man on the inside is a brand new. It's a new creation. A new species that never before existed. God didn't just patch, do a patch job when he recreated our spirits, beloved. When he redeemed us, when he raised Jesus from the dead, and and that power of resurrection affected our lives in the new birth, he didn't just do a past job. The Bible says we are his workmanship. He took us and just recreated us and caused the new species of being to come into being, to come into manifestation. You think about that. The first creation was Adam, but the second Adam was Jesus. Jesus died and took took the, 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 the sin of the first Adam, and when God raised him from the dead, there became a new species of being that never before existed. Think about that in you and me. We are new creatures in Christ Jesus. So it's not a patch job, beloved. Something we've got to look into that's beyond our understanding. We have been partakers of the divine nature of God. And the only thing that stops that from being a reality... And the only thing that prevents that from being effective in in reaching the world in which we live, beloved, is whether or not we confess it, actually acknowledge it, believe it, and say it. I've heard them. You hear more preachers when they pray, and and, and others when when they pray and say simple prayers. Oh, Lord, I'm nothing but a snake in the grass, a worm in the dust, just a beggar barely getting along in this life. I know I have no right to come before you. And really, Lord, I'm just so unworthy. Hold up. Wait a minute. Hold on for a while. Have you read the book? You were that. I was a snake in the grass. I was the worm in the dust. I was without hope. We all were without God in the world. But you know what? Paul even said over there in Corinthians, he says, you were a drunkard. You were an alcoholic. He says, you were a fornicator. You were an idolater. You were an effeminate. And he goes on and says, but now you're washed clean, praise God. Now you're washed and made whole, praise God. Now you've become the righteousness of God in Christ. That's who we are now. So we're not still that worm in the dust or that snake in the grass. We're brand new. And we need to acknowledge that and discern that, recognize that, and start saying it. And when we start saying it, it'll become a reality to us. It'll affect our lives in a positive way. It'll put a spring in your step, I'll tell you. It'll put some uh, a countenance about you that'll cause you to to, to shine and and greater than Moses did when he came down from the mountain. Amen. He came down from the mountain. They had to put a veil over his face because he couldn't stand to see the glory. I made a mistake last Wednesday. He said put a bag over his face. but (laughs) They put a veil over it. You shine... I'll tell you, you shine with the glory of God 
It'll absolutely just change you. It'll revolutionize you. You start walking around talking just about how unworthy you are. You know, before long, you begin to think how worthy you are and how unworthy you are to pray. The Bible never said you're unworthy to pray. The Bible says this. Look at Colossians. We've got to get to this. Colossians chapter 1. And look at verse 18. He is the head of, all, of the body. How many of you believe that? Say amen. amen. The church who is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in all things he might have the preeminence. Shout a hallelujah if you believe that. Amen. You believe that, right? Well, wonderful. Jesus has the preeminence in all things. And we get excited about that. For it pleased the Father that in him should all foolish dwell. And having made peace through the blood of his cross by him to reconcile all things to himself, by him I say, whether they be things in earth or things in heaven, and you that were sometime alienated and enemies in your mind by wicked works, yet now, yet now, yet now, if he reconciled in the body of his flesh through death to present you as a snake in the grass and a worm in the dust. <laughs> to present you as an unworthy prayer warrior. Someone who has to sneak in the back door to pray to God. To present you holy and unblameable and unreprovable in His sight. I wonder if they ever read that. Say it with me. I am holy. Unblameable. Unreprovable. In His sight. Stop looking at who you are in your sight. Stop looking at who I am in my sight. Let's start looking at who we are in His sight. Are you washed in the blood? You couldn't do anything to, to attain all this. If you are washed in the blood, you're made holy by the blood of Jesus. You are unreprovable by the blood of Jesus. And I like this. You are unblameable before God. Hallelujah. In Adam I became blameable, but in Christ I'm unblameable. In Adam I became unholy, but in Christ I am holy. Do you see that? Thanks be to God through Jesus who gives us the victory. Hallelujah. Now, if that wasn't enough for you, go to Jude. That's right before Revelation. Jude. And we'll start at verse 20. But ye, beloved, building up yourselves on your most holy faith, praying in the Holy Ghost... Keep yourselves in the love of God, looking for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ unto eternal life. And of some have compassion, making a difference. And others, save with fear, pulling them out of the fire. Think about that. Pulling them out of the fire. Hating even the garment spotted by the flesh. Now unto him that is able to keep you from falling. Do you believe that? You believe Jesus is able to keep us from falling? But what about this next part? And to present you faultless. Say this with me. Jesus presents me faultless. Before the presence of the glory of God with exceeding joy. You know, He delights in presenting us to the Father faultless. Think about that. Think about that. Well, that just kind of disrupts everybody's theology back there, doesn't it? No, we need to approach the Father's presence like this. I have no merit upon which my, of my own upon which to base my answer to prayer. But I'm not coming on my own. <laughs> I'm coming through the blood of Jesus. I'm coming by the new and everlasting covenant. And I come boldly to the throne of grace because Jesus never missed the mark. He presents me faultless and holy, unblameable, unreprovable in your sight. And so, Father God, I'm asking you in Jesus' name. Do you see the need to do that now? I'm asking you in Jesus' name. I'm asking you by the blood of the new and everlasting covenant. Hallelujah. That's who we are and that's what we have. And that's a reality today. Amen. Now look at Romans 8. And let's, let's uh, add something to that. We already talked about this, but let's add something to it. In Romans chapter 8, see too often, I'm just a sinner. Say by grace. Emphasis on sinner. No, we were sinners, but we're no longer sinners, we're saints. Saints of the Most High God. In verse 15, Romans 8, 
For ye have not received the spirit of bondage again to fear, but ye have received the spirit of adoption, whereby we cry, Abba, Father. The Spirit Himself beareth witness with our spirit that we are the children of God. How many believe you're a child of God? If you're born of the Spirit, washed in the blood, you're a child of God. Isn't that what it says? So we're children of God. Well, if children, then beggars. Well, if children, then heirs. Heirs of God. What's it mean to be an heir of God? One who's entitled to receive some endowment or quality from a parent or predecessor? That's what it means. You're entitled to receive all that he has. And I'll read that to you from the Living Bible. We did this. And since we are his children, we share his treasures. For all God gives to his son Jesus is now ours too. What's his good pleasure? To give unto you the kingdom. All the Father has is ours. We are heirs of God. Join heirs with Jesus. We are seated with Him in the heavenly places. We are of the family. The royal family. And the inheritance we have. The earnest of our inheritance. Which is Holy Ghost power. Beloved. God has given us all things. And if you want to know what those things consist of. Go on down to verse 31. In verse 31, it says, If God before us, who could be against us? He that spared not his own son, but delivered him up for us all. How shall he not with him also freely give us all things? I want you to notice something here. He is talking about the fact that we are heirs of God and joint heirs with Jesus. And the thing that we're entitled to receive is all things. Everything that the Father has is ours. Everything that Jesus has is ours because we're heirs of God and we're joint heirs with Jesus and we're not waiting to those days in the sweet by and by. They're ours now. We have the power of the name. We have the same Holy Ghost power that raised Jesus from the dead and dwelling us now. Amen. We are faultless and holy and blameless before God right now on this side. Praise God. And we need to acknowledge that. And if we'll acknowledge that, it'll promote your spiritual growth and development. You are a king and a priest of the Most High God. We said He is the King of kings. He is the Lord of lords. Well, who are the kings that He's king of? I said, who's the kings that He's king of? We are. Who are the priests He's high priest over? Now, let's, let's go over to Proverbs chapter 23. Because we shift, we shifted right here, then we kind of hurried. We shifted into high gear, I'm trying to say it nicely. Proverbs 23, and look at verse 16, or verse 15 and 16. Because not only is our, the communication of our faith going to become effective, operative, active, and powerful, as we acknowledge every good thing in us in Christ Jesus... But the communication of our faith also becomes powerful and effective in carrying out the program of God without. Not just within to promote our growth, but also without. Causing change to occur in the world in which we live. In our own domain. As we do the same thing. That is acknowledge what God can do through us. Through the authority of the word. And the power of the name. Notice Proverbs 23 and verse 15. My son, if thine heart be wise, my heart shall rejoice, even mine. Yea, my reign shall rejoice when your lips, when your lips speak right things. The communication of our faith becomes powerful, active, operative, effectual when we speak right things. Amos 3.3 says, can two walk together except they be agreed? And the answer is no. If we want to walk together with God, we've got to speak the things that God says. We've got to say what God says about us. Now, we've already talked about saying who we are, and there's a lot more as far as who we are in Christ that will promote our spiritual growth and development. But also, beloved, this, this covenant that we have with God provides us with a power and an ability that can be released through faith to remove mountains from our midst. To, to enable us to overcome every obstacle and every hurdle 
To stand against sickness and against disease and demon powers and temptation and sin and all this. We have power and ability through faith that can be released, enabling us to overcome all this. But, beloved, our lips have got to start speaking the right thing. Our lips must begin speaking the right thing in order for us to overcome. How can two walk together except they be agreed? And if we want to walk together with God and have God manifest His power and ability on our behalf, we've got to start saying some things that agree with God. You get two people to try to go on a business proposition together and they don't think alike and they don't believe alike and they don't speak alike and they don't have the same vision or goals. How can they possibly go into business together and walk together successfully? They can't. One is constantly saying, I want 100% of the profit. And the other one is saying, I want 100% of the profit. They're not going to walk together because they're not agreed. They're going in different directions. One wants this, the other one wants the opposite. And they voice it and they say it. And so they're going in opposite directions. We've got to start going in the right direction with God by saying what He said about us and start saying what He can do through us as well as what He has done in us. And too often, we limit what God can do through us. You know why? Because we have failed to say who He is in us. Jesus says, the works I do, I don't do of my own strength. The Father in me, He doeth the works. But I know who I am. I am the bread of life that came down from heaven. I am the resurrection and the life. I am the way. I am the truth. I am the life. No man comes to the Father but by me. He said who He was. He knew who He was. And therefore, when anything got in His way, He just hooked up together with the Father God and spoke out to those things that got in His way. And when He did... He was walking together with the Father, and the Father and Him did the works to blow the mountains out. But you see, He hooked up together with the Father because He knew who He was. Your faith will always be paralyzed if you don't know who you are in Christ, beloved, because you'll try to do it in your own strength and ability, and it just doesn't work that way. This is called, you know, celebrating the Lord's Supper, but in actuality, it's a blood covenant relationship that we have with God Almighty through Jesus Christ. His blood is flowing through our veins. We are blood covenant partners with the Most High God. I'd like to teach on that. It's been a long time. We are blood covenant partners with the Most High God. That means we have entered into a covenant relationship with Him where the blood flows. We have cut where the blood flows, and His blood flows through us, and our blood flows through Him. We are one together with the Lord Jesus Christ, equal heirs of God. And beloved, this is a powerful thing. I mean that as a powerful thing. But can you see we're hooked up with God? All right. Let's start walking with him like he, like he said we should by speaking right things. Now, let's go on back to the book of Joshua, chapter 14. And we'll show you. I, I talked about this a, a little bit ago. I want to just quickly reiterate it because it's, it's absolutely relevant. You will notice that, that here, Caleb was the one who went to spy out the land along with Joshua and the other ten spies. As a result of what they saw... Joshua and Caleb came back with a report of faith and they hooked up together with God and said that they could do or God could do through them what he said he would and what he said he could. Okay. And was willing to. But the other ten spies, they weren't looking at it from God's perspective. They were looking at it according to their own sight. And what did Colossians 1 say? He made us unblameable in his sight. In my sight, I don't feel too unblameable. Do you? In my own sight, I don't seem too faultless. Do you? But thank God I don't have to view myself in my own sight. I can see myself under the blood of Jesus, and that makes me faultless and blameless before God. I like that, don't you? Well, beloved, that's not the end of it. Also, I'm not, I'm not any match for that mountain over there. I'm not any match for those hostile forces of darkness that are trying to prevent me from carrying out the program of God for my life. I'm no match for all that. But you know what? That's in my own sight. That's in my own sight. But I'm not looking at it in my own sight. You see that mountain over there? It's not bigger than my God. My God's bigger than that mountain. You see that devil over there? It's not bigger than my God. He's not any bigger than my God. My God's bigger than he is. You see those demon powers? There's greater, more that be with us than that be with them. And greater is he that's in me than he that's in the world. And so I'm going after them, praise God, in Jesus' name. I'm going after that mountain in Jesus' name. I'm going to start speaking to it. Why? Because the God that's on the inside of me has given me all things. He has strengthened me with His strength and the power of His might, making me equal to any task. I'm an overcomer by the blood of the Lamb and word of my testimony, and by my faith I overcome the world. Can you see that? And as I start saying that, that's not boasting on me. It's saying, my God through me is bigger. Jesus said that. The Father in me, He doeth the works. I'm just giving Him the opportunity to do it through me. That's what Jesus did. And we all can be vessels of honor, meeting prepared for the Master's use. Well, in the book of Joshua, chapter 14 and verse 6. 
Then the children of Judah came unto Joshua and Gilgal. And Caleb the son of Jephon of the Kenizzite said unto him, Thou knowest the thing that the Lord said unto Moses and the man, the man of God concerning me and thee in Kadesh Barnea. Forty years old was I when Moses the servant of the Lord sent me to, from Kadesh Barnea to spy out the land. And I brought him word again as it was in my heart. Notice that, that Caleb had the word in his heart. And he said, Look, there are no match for us. They may be giants in the land. And the other said, In our sight, we are but grasshoppers in their own sight. But Caleb didn't say that. He saw the same giants in the land. He saw the same situation the other saw. But he brought back word as it was in his heart. He spoke out the word as it was in his heart. And the word was not what, what the, the, the circumstances dictated to his heart. But the word was, yep, it's all true. But God's bigger, God's greater. And he's able to make us go and take the land. And so he brought back word as it was in his heart. And as he spoke out the word, that enabled God to move through his life. And he set the stage for his life. And he set the, the, the pattern for his life. He set the course for his life. And as a result, this took place. He was 40 years old when he went out and did it. Nevertheless, in verse 8, my brethren that went up with me made the heart of the people melt. Please hold on to that. Made the heart of the people melt, but I wholly followed the Lord my God. And Moses swore in that day, saying, Surely the land whereon thy foot have trodden shall be thine inheritance, and thy children's forever, because thou hast only followed the Lord my God. And now behold, the Lord hath kept me alive, as he said, since these forty and five years, even since the Lord spake this word unto Moses, while the children of Israel wandered in the wilderness. And now I am this day fourscore and five years old. I'm eighty-five. He maintained that confession for forty-five years. He maintained a bold confession of faith for 45 years while the others wandered in the wilderness. You want to be a wilderness wanderer? And never grow and develop spiritually? Or you can be like a Caleb and die prematurely like the others did? Or you can be like a Caleb and a Joshua who said, I'm well able to take the land because my God in me is bigger? I'd rather be like him, wouldn't you? And he said, now give me this day or this mountain. In verse 12, whereof the Lord spake in that day, for thou heardest in that day how the Anakims were there, and that the cities were great and fenced. You heard that. If so be the Lord will be with me, then I shall be able to drive them out, as the Lord said. And Joshua blessed him, and gave unto Caleb the son of Jephana, Hebron, for an inheritance. Hebron therefore became the inheritance of Caleb the son of Jephana, the Kenizzite, unto this day, because that he wholly followed the Lord God of Israel. He went out to war. I'm telling you that Caleb, at 85 years old, said that he had the same strength as he had when he was 40 years old. Because he spoke in harmony with the Word of God. He didn't change. He didn't change. You know, that's part of the reason why many, many become sickly and die prematurely. is because they fail to recognize they're hooked up with deity. And the same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead indwells them and quickens their mortal body. And adds strength unto their lives in length of days. And instead of start continuing to say what God says about him, just go off and start saying about how, you know, you're get, I'm getting younger. I'm not getting older. My inward man is renewed day by day. I don't know about you. I'm still playing ball with the boys. I don't know what you're going to do, but I'm just going to stay, continue on doing it. I mean that. I've said it and I'm going to say it and I'm going to continue saying it. I'm hanging in there, praise God. I'm holding on to what I know to be true in the Word of God. I don't have to grow old so quickly. <laughs> We're all going to have to grow old because the Bible says so. But not so quickly. What about you? Amen. Start saying what God said about you because that's part of your inheritance. Can you say amen? amen. Start saying it. Well, what happened to the other ones that didn't say it? Well, back in Numbers, it says what happened to the others. Amen. Quickly turn back there to Numbers 14 and verse 28. I, I want to set the stage for something else. So look at this in verse 28. Amen. If this doesn't shake you, nothing will. If this doesn't rattle your cage, nothing will. God, who is in heaven, heard what Joshua and Caleb said and heard what the other ten spies said. And this is over a period of years, you have to understand. A period of time. Not just one time, one day, one hour, one week. This is a long period of time that this all transpired, that all this took place. And after hearing it, all this time, here's what God says in verse 28. Say unto them, well, back up to verse 26. And the Lord spake unto Moses, this is Numbers 14, 26. And the Lord spake unto Moses and to Aaron, saying, How long shall I bear with this evil congregation? 
which murmur against me. You know, murmur means to speak against me. Well, how do we murmur against you, Lord? Well, all you said was we're going to die in the wilderness. I'm not big enough to get you in. How long shall I bear with this evil congregation, which murmur against me? I have heard the murmurings of the children of Israel, which they murmur against me, saying to them, as truly as I live, saith the Lord, as ye have spoken in mine ears, so will I do to you. Those who say Mark eleven twenty three does not mean what it says, that ye shall have whatsoever he saith. They better read this passage over and over and over and over and over. He said, tell them that what they've been saying is what they're going to have. They will die in the wilderness. They will die in the wilderness. And they did. They died prematurely in the wilderness. And those that were in leadership, I don't like this. Those that were in leadership, those, you know, ten spies like board members and spiritual leaders that went out and spied out the land and came back with an evil report and told all the multitudes of the people, we can't do it. We're unable to do it. There's no way. They're bigger than we are. I mean, look at it. We're grasshoppers. They died. Look at, let's read on. Verse 35. I, the Lord, have said, I will surely do it unto all this evil congregation that are gathered together against me in this wilderness, that they shall be consumed, and there they shall, they, they shall die. And the men which Moses sent to search the land who returned and made all the congregation to murmur against him by bringing up a slander upon the land. Even those men that did bring up the evil report upon the land died by the plague. Before the Lord. Their words invited a plague into their lives. Now, beloved, their words, as we read there in Joshua, caused the hearts of the people to do what? To melt. Isn't that what it said? Didn't Caleb say that? They brought back words that caused the hearts of the people to melt. Don't discourage people. Friends, don't discourage your brother and sister in the Lord. Give them the word all the time. I said, give them the word all the time. Because, you see, if we don't, then we'll cause their hearts to melt. Tell them that they can, through Jesus, they can overcome it. Tell them that. And, and even though it may seem impossible, tell them they can overcome. Do you see that? Don't make their hearts melt. Encourage them in the Word. Tell them they can. Praise God. Well, now, I said all that to take us to 1 Samuel chapter 17. I want us to know that we're hooked up with the mighty God. That's what I want us to know. Before we celebrate this Lord's Supper, He did something to make us good on the inside. And He hooked us up with enough power to get us free here, right where we live in this society, in this world in which we live today. We're hooked up with deity. We're we're hooked up with God Almighty. But this is how we get God on the scene. Don't get people's heart to melt on the inside of them. Get the right word inside their heart and put it in their mouth. They'll speak the right things with their lips. They'll walk together with God. God will move for them like He did for Joshua and Caleb. If it takes 45 years, like it took for Caleb to get the promised land, whatever it was, the fullness of his blessings, praise God. That's fine. He still had the same strength at at age 85 as he did at age 40. 1 Samuel chapter 17. And we're not going to take the time to read the the whole story here. But you know it's the story of um, David and Goliath. And to show that the way we get God to work... In our lives and through our lives is by our confession of faith. Our acknowledging what He has done in us and acknowledging what He can do through us. And if we'll do that, praise God, then we're going to get God to work. Because the power of God that we're hooked up together with is going to be released on our behalf as we believe it in the heart and say it with the mouth. In First Samuel chapter 17, you know the story here about David and Goliath. And how the Philistine warrior, you know, mighty in battle, came to defy the armies of, uh, of Israel and the living God. And you'll notice in verse, well, as I read some of this, I noticed that his um, armor was so heavy. As a matter of fact, it was so big and so heavy, I can only imagine what it would be like to stand before a guy like that. He's almost two of me. (laughs) Almost. (laughs) Let's see here. His coat of mail weighed 5,000 shekels of brass. That's about 180 pounds. You could soak me in water. I wouldn't weigh that much. He'd be carrying me around just in his hip pocket. I mean, can you imagine how big this fellow was? 
it says that, that his spear head was 21 pounds. And in verse 8, he stood and cried to the armies of Israel and said unto them, Why are you come out to set battle, battle in array? Am I not a Philistine and you servants of Saul? Choose you a man for you and let him come down to me. If he be able to fight with me and to kill me, then will, will we be your servants. But if I prevail against him and kill him, then shall ye be our servants and serve us. And the Philistines said, I defy the armies of Israel this day. You know, every time we stand up against a situation in life, that situation is defying the living God that we serve. He says, I defy the armies of Israel this day. Give me a man that we may fight together. When Saul and all, all Israel heard those words of the Philistine, they were dismayed and greatly afraid. They were dismayed and greatly afraid. Dismayed they lost, means they lost their courage. They became discouraged and they lost their initiative. Their spiritual initiative was departed from them. It's, a like, it's like the same thing that happened way back when. With Joshua and Caleb, their hearts melted on the inside. They were discouraged and they lost their spiritual initiative. They were so afraid and they were dismayed. Well, if you look at verse 16, and the Philistine drew near morning and evening and presented himself 40 days. Two times a day, in the morning and the evening, in the morning and the evening, in the morning when they got up, in the evening when they're at the bed, the only thing on their mind was the voice of this enemy, this Philistine, defying the armies of Israel and the living God. Talking about how big and bad and how strong he was, and if you had somebody out there with any guts, you'd, you'd come and fight me. And you know that Saul was head and shoulders above anybody else in Israel, but he wasn't going to go because he was just as scared as everybody else was. He was afraid. Well, now let's go on down and read in verse 23. As David went there, he was sent there by his father to take some food for his brothers. And as he talked with them, behold, there came up the champion, the Philistine of Gath, Goliath by name, out of the armies of the Philistines, and spake according to the same words, and David heard them. David heard the words of Goliath. And all the men of Israel whom they saw the man fled from him and were sore afraid. Can you see what fear will do? Cause one to lose courage, lose spiritual initiative, and absolutely run away from the battle. Just to give up, to faint, to lose heart, and say there's no sense in trying to go forward anymore. Beloved, that's when a person stops growing spiritually. When a giant like that gets in the way, that's usually when one stops growing spiritually. They won't stretch out their faith because of fear. But you see, it's the fear that's holding us back. It's not the giant that's too big for us. It's the fear. It's the giant of fear. It's the giant of dismay that holds us back. It's the giant of worry and anxiety. All these things hold us back. And you see, we, see, we allow those forces to... To paralyze our faith. Yes, the enemy will use physical things because we see those things standing in our way. But ultimately, it's what they represent. The fear that stands behind all that. The darkness that is there. Well, they were so afraid. And the men of Israel said, have you seen this man that has come up? Sure, defile Israel. He came up or he come up. And it shall be that the man who killeth him, the king will enrich him with great riches and will give him his daughter. And make his father's house free in Israel. And David spake to the men that stood by him, saying, What shall be done to the man that killeth the Philistine and taketh away the reproach from Israel? Who, for who is this uncircumcised? I want you to notice right there. Right there. David understood what we're celebrating here today. David understood what we're celebrating here today. We are celebrating our covenant with the Almighty God. Uncircumcised meant he has no covenant with God. Circumcised means you have a covenant with God. As a result of the covenant, you have benefits that are yours. And part of that, those benefits include the fact that you're hooked up with deity and the power of the Most High is available to you in your time of need. And that Philistine, as big as he was, as strong as he is, had no covenant with the Almighty God. 
And all he could rely upon would be his own abilities, his own strength, his own power, his own skills, fighting skills, and the armor, the protective armor that he wore. Well, beloved, we've got protective armor too. But it's the armor of God. It's not the armor of man. And so David, you know, he speaks out and he says he's uncircumcised, that he should defy the armies of the living God. And the people answered him after this manner, saying, so shall it be done to the man that killeth him. We'll go on down to verse 32. He speaks out these words. They take him before the king. And now David has an audience with the king. And in verse 32, David said to Saul, let no man's heart. Look at the difference between him and the ten spies. Their report caused the hearts of the people to what? Melt on the inside. What does David say? Let no man's heart fail. Don't let anybody get into fear. Don't let anybody's heart melt. Don't become dismayed, discouraged. Don't lose spiritual initiative over this. I like this young boy. Let no man's heart fail because of him. Thy servant will go and fight with this Philistine. And Saul said to David, thou art not able. Real encouraging. How would you like that to be your king's spiritual leader? Thou art not able to go against this Philistine to fight with him, for thou art but a youth, and he a man of war from his youth. And David said unto Saul, see what, what Saul was saying, he is skilled in fighting. Highly developed. You haven't even begun to understand the first thing about fighting. He knows how to use the spear. He's got his protective armor on. I mean, he is equipped. He is prepared. He is a mighty warrior. And you're just but a young boy. You're wet behind the ears. You don't know what it is to fight yet. But David said unto Saul, David said. Everybody say, David said. This was a war of words, beloved. David did not kill him with a stone. He killed him with words. Those words we hear. We could, we could hear him speaking out to Saul. And David said to Saul, Thy servant kept his father's sheep. And there came a lion and a bear and took a lamb out of the flock. And I went after him and smote him and delivered it out of his mouth. And when he arose against me, I caught him by his beard and smote him and slew him. Thy servant slew both the lion and the bear. Now you've got to envision this. You've got to see him. He gets the little lamb back, but then he, when, when the lion and the bear both, you know, in separate instances, rise up against him to kill him. Can you imagine grabbing a, a bear by the beard? Or a lion by the beard? Can you imagine grabbing a hold of that thing? And knocking it so hard in the head, killed it? He is saying, he may be a warrior, but I know how to hook up with God. And God's got a knockout punch that this giant's never heard of or seen yet. And he's going down for the count. That's what he was saying to him. So thy servant slew both the, the lion and the bear. And this, and he reiterates, uncircumcised. He has no covenant with God. He can't hook up with God no matter how strong he is. No matter how skilled he is. No matter how big he is. He can't hook up with God. He has no covenant with God. And so... He reminds him of that fact, this uncircumcised Philistine shall be as one of them. No different than the lion or the bear. He'll be as one of them, seeing he had to defied the armies of the living God. Now, I don't know about you, but how many of you heard Brother Copeland pre preaching a little bit on this this week? I, I caught one little, little part of it. And it would have to be the part that he said, now this was a giant. And David knew he was a prize. Now, had he been five foot six, I said he had to say five foot six. He said if he was five foot six, he wouldn't be worth anything. I heard him say that. I will write him a letter. He didn't say five, 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 four, five, seven, five, eight, five foot six. He'll hear from my desk. <laughs> You've got to be like a David when you're five foot six. You just got to keep on speaking, you know, the word. So David said, the moreover, 
the Lord will deliver me out of the lion and the bear. He's going to deliver me out of this, this hand of the Philistine. And Saul said to David, go and the Lord be with thee. And Saul, in verse 38, armed David with his armor. See, people try to help. Oh, we try to help in the flesh. Try to help. He put on his helmet of brass, Paul has said. He also armed him with a coat of mail. And, and David girded his sword upon his armor and essayed to go, for he had not proved it. And David said unto Saul, I can't go with these. I haven't proved these. And David put, took the, put, off, put them off him. And he took his staff in his hand and chose him five smooth stones out of the brook and put them in a shepherd's bag, which he had even as script. And his sling was in his hand, and he drew near to the Philistine, and the Philistine came on and drew near unto David. And the man that bare the shield went before him, and when the Philistine looked about and saw David, he disdained him, for he was but a youth and ruddy and of a fair countenance. And, and the Philistine said unto David, Am I a dog that thou comest to me with staves? And the Philistine cursed David by his gods. This man was vile. I'm telling you, there was, there was nothing good in this man. He was possessed by demon powers. Not only did he have the power and the strength of being almost ten, ten foot tall, but he also had the powers of demonic influences, I'm sure, surrounding him. Doing what they possibly could to cause him to be the way he was. And the Philistine said in verse 44, To David, come to me, I will give thy flesh to the fowls of the air, to the beasts of the field. I'm going to tell you something right now. The problem will speak to you but day and night. Just as that problem did there to, to them, 40 days and 40 nights. I mean, twice a day. Think about it. Twice a day just keeps on hounding you and pounding you and speaking out against you. You're going to die. You're not going to make it. You're not going to succeed. You're going to fail. You're never going to get over this. This is a problem that's too big for you and you're God. And God's not out there to help you any longer. It seems like, you know, you're getting, you're getting further away from an answer to your prayer or whatever it is. And by day and by night and by day and by night and by day and by night and by day and by night. And that's exactly what these demon powers will, will have the circumstance or problem to do. And if we entertain that, beloved, we'll always be melted on the inside. Our heart will always lose spiritual initiative and encouragement if, if, we'll, if we'll listen to that kind of language. And you know what? In a sense, it's true if you look at it according to your own sight. And so you see, we live by faith, but we don't deny reality. It all may be true, and there's nothing wrong with saying it's all true. It's all true there's a giant in the land. It's all true that, 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 you know, those demon powers are there. There is a mountain that stands in my way. And there's all these ob obstacles and hindrances that are always out there. I know all that, but let's do what David did. Praise God. Look at the next verse. Then said David to the Philistine, Thou comest to me with the sword and with the spear and with the shield, but I come to thee in the name of the Lord of hosts. Beloved, I'll tell you something right now. Don't look in the mirror and think, can I overcome this problem? Don't look in the mirror and say, well, do I have the strength that, that's good? Am I good enough before God today? Or have I been studying the Word of God? Wait a minute. It's not you. Some trust in chariots and some in horses, some in spears and swords and helmets of armor and brass. But I will remember the name of the Lord my God. I'm not coming against you in my own power or ability. I'm coming against you in the name of the Lord of hosts because I have a covenant with the Most High God. And you're uncircumcised. You have no God. You have no hope. You're without God in the world. And I come in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. I don't look to myself. Or what I have. But I come to thee in the name of the Lord of hosts. The God of the armies of Israel. Whom thou hast defied. This day will the Lord deliver thee into mine hand. I will smite thee. And take thine head from thee. I will give the carcasses of the hosts of the Philistines this day. into the fowls of the air. And to the wild beasts of the earth. That all the earth may know that there is a God in Israel. And all this assembly shall know that the Lord saveth not with sword and spear, for the battle is the Lord's, and He will give you into our hands. I like that language. Wait a minute, where's all the other multitudes of warriors? All those that were trained up under Saul's leadership, skilled in, 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 in you know, fighting and had all the armor and the protective armor that was provided for them by the nation. Drill after drill after drill after drill. This is how you fight. David said, forget it. David said, forget it. I'll tell you what, beloved. When you know how to put God on your side. When you know how to use the protection that God provides. This is the outcome. I mean that. 
You see, David knew a whole lot more than they did about their, his God and their God. Any one of them could have done the same thing. Anyone could have done it. They all could have done the same thing. Even Saul himself, but they, they were in fear. And they had no spiritual initiative or energy any longer. Their hearts melted on the inside of them. And it came to pass in verse 48, when the Philistine arose and came and drew nigh to meet David, that David hasted and ran toward the enemy to meet the Philistine. He wasn't running from the enemy. This man was so bold. This young boy was so on fire. He had so much zeal and enthusiasm. He couldn't wait to get out there and get the job done. And David put his hand in his bag and took thence a stone and slang it and smote the Philistine in his forehead. That stone sunk into his forehead and fell upon his face to the earth. And someone said, well, why did he bring five if he had so much faith? Why didn't he just take one? He thought Goliath had four brothers. <laughs> he must have heard that down the road somewhere. And David, how many of you know that you think scud missiles are active or effective? How many of you know that God's got a radar that can guide stones into foreheads? How many of you know that? He's got a device, I'm telling you right now. And he slung it, of course, and, and smote the Philistine in his forehead that the stone sunk into his forehead. He fell upon his face to the earth. So David prevailed over the Philistine with a sling and with a stone and smote the Philistine and slew him. But there was no sword in the hand of David. Therefore David ran and stood upon the Philistine and took his sword and drew it out of the sheath thereof and slew him and cut off his head therewith. And when the Philistine saw their champion was dead, they fled. And that reminded me of the fact that Satan's lost his authority. His head has been bruised, praise God, and cut off. He has no authority any longer. And the Bible says that when we know it and resist the devil, he'll flee from us. Hallelujah. Amen. Isn't that what it says? It's just you got to know. You're hooked up with deity. We're hooked up with God. And we're not fighting in our own strength. We're fighting the good fight of faith. It's believing that God is bigger on the inside than the problem. And saying it with boldness like David did. You see why this message is so hard to get across? One out of how many? David, out of how many warriors, fighters, including the king himself? How many? One got a hold of it. Can you see that? And what about in the day of, of, of uh, Joshua and Caleb? Two out of ten spies, and then how many millions of people were there? Two and a half million people saw it. Moses and Aaron, you know, we can add them to it too. They may have been a little bit, you know, I don't know, but... But anyhow, we know at least Joshua and Caleb got a hold of it. And Moses and Aaron, they stayed with them. And so if we even say four out of two and a half million got a hold of it. But the rest wanted to stone them with stones. Why? Because they spoke their faith. Amen. Well, you're just not doing it the religious way. Well, let's forget the religious way then and do it God's way. Amen. Let's not have a form of godliness and deny the power thereof. Let's have the power of God in our, in our midst. Amen? Amen? And you see, beloved, listen carefully. It takes time for people to see this truth. And God knew it. And after they all died back there in the wilderness, under Joshua, you know, he raised up a new breed of people. Those that would believe God. Did you realize that? Before they got in that promised land, the second time around, under Joshua's leadership, he had to teach them faith. And that's how a lot of them got a hold of it. And that's why they entered into the promised land. Well, now, beloved, I, I want to, and we may see that, but, but look at, if you would please, Psalm 112. How is it then that David was so bold? I want to be like a David. Well, you can't be like a David if you don't do what a David did to get that way. How many of you know that? I said you can't be like a David unless you do what David did to get that way. In Psalm 112, we have an idea as to how David got that way. Psalm 112. It's not just spouting off things. It's not just I heard it by the wayside. I mean, if someone were to ask David, now David, how did you do this? I mean, you know, tell me the secret to all this. You think he would have said, well, I was out there, you know, they thought I was in the wilderness watching the sheep. But in actuality, I just plugged in my little TV set, put on Kenneth Copeland. Comes on 6 o'clock in the morning, channel 27 WKBN. I heard him talking about a similar situation. I just did the same thing he did. You think he did that? You think he parroted somebody else? Heard somebody else talking about it, so I just went off and did the same thing. He didn't do that. There wasn't anybody with him. I, I, I'm going to tell you something. You may be, this may shock you. He had no tape recorder. He was not one who received the word of faith or the believer's voice of victory. How many of you know that? Yeah. 
He didn't. You mean he got on his own? Yeah. Same way you're going to have to get it. Same way I'm going to have to get it. Is on our own. We get a lot of helps. But sometimes we want those helps to do our part. I know that hurt. Praise, verse 12. It's 112 Psalm. Verse 1. Praise ye the Lord. Blessed is the man that feareth the Lord that delighteth greatly his commandments. His seed shall be mighty upon earth. The generation of the upright shall be blessed. Wealth and riches shall be in his house. His righteousness endureth forever. Under the upright there ariseth light in the darkness. He is gracious, full of compassion and righteous. A good man showeth favor and lendeth. He will guide his affairs with discretion. Surely he shall not be moved, for, remove, or be moved forever. The righteous shall be in everlasting remembrance. He shall not be afraid of evil tidings. His heart is fixed, trusting in the Lord. His heart is established. He shall not be afraid until he sees desire upon his enemies. I want to stop it right there. Those last two verses. His heart shall not be afraid of evil tidings. Why? Because his heart is fixed, trusting in the Lord. And in verse 8, his heart is established. And that's why he wasn't afraid. Fixed or established means to steadfastly set. It means immovably fixed. David's heart was established in God. His heart was steadfastly fixed on the things of God. And when evil tidings came, when he heard all, just like Joshua and just like Caleb, because they took the time and spent the effort and energy in hearing God and listening to God and focusing in on God and and developing, they established their hearts in God. And as a result, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaketh. He wasn't making up confessions. Well, what confession should I use today since there's a Goliath out there? I know. Let's open up one of these here little books that I just got this in the mail today. Oh, there's, a, there's, a, there's one for giants. Under G. Giants. Here's a confession for giants. And, then he went over the, and he found out what it said. Okay, giants. What is his name? Well, it, it all depends. You know, if it's Goliath. And how many of you know he didn't do that? He didn't even stop to think about what he was saying or doing. How many of you know that David knew God so well? How many of you know that his heart was so fixed in the things of God that when they, he saw and heard this man defy the armies of the living God and defy God Almighty himself, he just looked at him and said, I'll tell you what, who do you think you are? You uncircumcised Philistine. You don't know God. You never knew God. You have no hope. You are without God in the world. And I have a covenant with the Almighty God who empowered me to kill a lion and a bear. And you're no man. That's for my God, and I'm coming at you in the name of the Lord of hosts. That's what he did. How many of you know that if someone would have had to wind him up for him to do that, it wouldn't have worked? That was all real. I said that was all real. It was alive in his innermost being. And when it came out of his mouth, it wasn't because I heard somebody else preach it or somebody else say it. It's because he knew his God and his heart was established and firmly planted in the things of God. Well, how does my heart get that way? We'll have to get this for tonight. But I'll give you the scripture, Isaiah 7 and verse 9. How does my heart get established like that? It's a very simple truth. Isaiah 7 and verse 9. We'll have to pick this up again tonight. We're going to talk about how to overcome dismay and fear or Loss of initiative. How to prevent that from happening. In Isaiah 7 and verse 9. And the head of Ephraim is Samaria. And the head of Samaria is Remaliah's son. If ye will not believe, surely ye shall not be established. If you will not believe, surely you will not be established. I don't believe in any of that. You can have what you say. I don't believe any of that words have to do anything with it at all. You know why they're not established in faith? Because they don't believe any of it. That's why. You don't believe it, you won't be established. But did you hear what David believed? Did David acknowledge what God could do through him? Beloved, did David acknowledge what God could and would do through him? Yes, he did. We acknowledge what's on the inside of us through Christ, but also, beloved, let's not fail to acknowledge what God... Thank you for listening to our legacy teachings. We pray today's message has a profound impact upon your life and your ministry. I want you to know that God loves you, has a great plan for your life. 
But if you've never made Jesus Christ Lord and Savior of your life, I'd like to invite you to do that right now. Just pray this simple prayer right after me. Just say, Heavenly Father, I come to you just as I am. And I believe with all my heart that Jesus died for my sins and was raised from the dead for me. I open the door of my heart. I call upon the name of the Lord. Lord Jesus, come into my heart now. I receive you and accept you as my personal Savior and Lord. If you prayed that prayer with me, you're a child of God right now, and I encourage you to get into a good Bible-based church where you can learn to grow in your Christian faith and experience. God bless.